In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from the book of Acts, chapter 1, starting from verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. لم تزل كلمة رب تنمو تزداد في بيعة الله المقدسة. We'll speak today about the work of the Holy Spirit in service, in ministry. And I like to divide it into two parts. First part is the work of the Holy Spirit in the servant himself, and also the work of the Holy Spirit in the person being served, in the, if we call him, disciple or student. So I will start by the work of the Holy Spirit in the servant himself. Number one, gives him power, gives him power. As the Lord said to them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Lord actually commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem until they receive power from on high. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot serve. If we rely on our own power, we will fail. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we saw this power in the ministry of the apostles. For example, St. Peter, who was afraid in front of a little girl and denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times on the night of his crucifixion, the crucifixion of the Lord, we saw how Peter on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, he was the one actually who defended the apostles when they accused them of being drunk and he gave his sermon in which actually 3,000 persons believed. One sermon was able actually to bring 3,000 to the Christian faith. And if you think, is this the power of Peter? Definitely not. But this is the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in Peter. When I give lesson in Sunday school, if I'm relying on my persuasive word, my wisdom, uh, my 
ability to convince others, I will fail. But if I pray and ask God and the Holy Spirit to speak on my mouth, then even the simple words that I will say will be anointed by the Holy Spirit and will pierce the heart of the people and bring many to repentance and to the knowledge of God. So we, we, we saw Peter here how he was very, very powerful in his speech on the day of Pentecost. Paul was abandoned by all his disciples. Paul who traveled almost the whole world and preached the gospel uh, in, in many, many cities and countries. At the end of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, can you imagine how many disciples he made? But at the end of his ministry, in his first defense before Emperor Neron, nobody stood with him. He found none around him. Can you imagine if a Sunday school servant or a priest or a bishop, after serving so many years actively like St. Paul, in the same zeal like St. Paul, and then he gets in trouble, and in this trouble, he finds nobody around him. How would he feel? St. Paul spoke about this in Second Timothy, in, in his letter to Timothy, the second letter. And I'm sure you know this was the last letter he wrote before his martyrdom. So it was at the end of his ministry. In chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me. No one stood with me. But all forsook me. All forsook him. But St. Paul was not upset, was not disappointed. He said, may it not be charged against them. I said, I'm not upset, I'm not disappointed. Why? He answered this in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, strengthened me, gave me power, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that the, all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out from the mouth of the lion. Lion here, he referred to Emperor Neron. And the Lord will deliver me. He delivered me in the past, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, again, the Holy Spirit gives me power, strength. If I'm relying on my friends, if I'm relying on my disciples, if I'm relying on people around me, I will be disappointed. If St. Paul, everyone forsook him, abandoned him, after all this successful and wonderful ministry, if he relied on them, he would be defeated. But he did not rely on them. He relied on God. That's why he said, I will not hold this against them. Because the Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me. That the, the ministry will be fulfilled. That the message might be preached fully through me. That all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered from the mouth of the lion. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in, in us as servants. Empowering us. Strengthening us. 
Also, the work of the Holy Spirit gives them, according to the will of God, supernatural miracles. Supernatural. The shadow, only the shadow of St. Peter was healing the sick and casting out demons. Can you imagine even without Peter touching a person? So they put the sick in his way. So when St. Peter, his shadow only, if his shadow came over one of these sick people or demon possessed, they will be healed. What power? Very, very powerful. Which power? Is it the power of Peter? No. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen them. Uh, and St. Paul, I'm sure you know, his body has like ulcers and wounds. So they took the handkerchiefs from his body and put it on the sick and actually they were healed. So this was the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the ministers and the apostles. Also, the courage. We saw how, as I told you, Peter, who denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times, we see how they were very, very courageous. When they gathered the apostles before the chief priests, and they asked them not to speak the word of Jesus again, not to preach the name of Jesus again. So, and they beat them up in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. They called the apostle and beaten them, and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and, let the, and then they let them go. How was the reaction of the, of the apostles? We read in verse 41, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. How can I be beaten and rejoice? From where I get this power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And Peter told them, we ought to obey God more than men. No, we'll not stop preaching the, the name of Jesus. And they continued, as we read in verse 42, and daily in the temple, daily in the temple, they were not afraid. And in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, Jesus as the Messiah. The power also even appeared in the physical health. St. Paul was sick. His vision was very, very dim, weak, and as I told you, he has ulcers all over his body, wounds all over his body. This what we called the thorn in the flesh. St. Paul referred to as thorn in the flesh. And he prayed to God that God may heal him. And I'm sure Paul prayed, asking the healing so that he can healthy, his health will be good so he can travel and can preach. And, and Paul definitely he likes to read and like to write. He, he wrote more than half of the New Testament, 14 out of 27 books in the New Testament. So he wanted healing, thinking that if I am healed, I have a good health, I'll be powerful to serve more. But the Lord told him, no, my grace is sufficient. And I will show you my power, because my power is made perfect in weakness. 
if you are healthy, you will rely on your health. But I want you to rely on my grace, the power again of the Holy Spirit. And God did not heal him. And with his dim vision, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. And he was reading till he was martyred. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he instructed Timothy when he comes to bring the parchments and the books. Why? To read. So St. Paul continued to read until his martyrdom. And he traveled, you know, at the world then, all the world then. He, he traveled between Asia and Asia Minor and, and uh, Europe. He made three missionary trips with his health uh, that was weak. Relying on what? Relying on the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit gave power in speech, in, in persuasion. St. Paul, when he went to Greece, he was afraid because Greek was known with the philosophers, uh, Aristotle, Plato, all these great philosophers. So in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he told them, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive word of human wisdom. I did not speak like Plato, I did not speak like Socrates, I did not speak like Aristotle, no, Aristotle, no but in demonstration of, of the Spirit and of power. So, the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, this power also, power of the Holy Spirit, was very clear in the how, how the Holy Spirit anointed every word coming from the mouth of the apostles, and pierced the heart of the people. So, how the Holy Spirit work in us gives us power. Number two, gives us actually the words, the word. The Lord told us, don't worry if they bring you even before the magistrates and rulers and authorities, don't worry what to speak. Because at that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the word that you ought to speak. And many times in, in our uh, ministry, our children come and ask us questions. And maybe you are not ready to answer this question. But at that time, we find grace, we find the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the right answer. And many times after, you know, when we reflect on this, we say, how did I answer this? How these words come to my mouth? Definitely it's not our words. It is the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Lord told us. And don't worry about what you speak, because the Holy Spirit at this hour will give you the word that you should speak. Also, as the Lord told us in the, in the Gospel of John, in his speech before his crucifixion, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will remind us remind us with all what Jesus told us. So, reminding us is not only about memory, so reminding me with some verses, no. But the Holy Spirit 
will remind me with the truth uh, because he is the spirit of the truth and remind me means give me discernment to discern between the falsehood and the truth remind me means also the interpretation and the understanding of the scripture in, in the right way St. Paul in his uh, letter to Galatians in, ver in, in chapter 1 he, he says to them uh, verse 11 but I make known to you brethren that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it by but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ so it was a revelation God actually revealed to him through the Holy Spirit that's the revelation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit taught St. Paul the gospel that's why St. Paul made a wonderful connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament until now actually when we read and we study books like Romans letters like Romans or Hebrew or Galatians very very deep and there is big big mysteries in these words and how he connect the Old Testament with the New Testament how he was able to make this beautiful connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament this definitely not the, the intelligence of St. Paul it is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth as the Lord said he will remind you he will teach you what I, I have told you we know about person from Alexandria his name is Apollos Apollos was very strong in his preaching but he didn't know except the baptism of John he didn't know anything after the baptism of John so when Briscilla and Achilla heard about him they took him and they start to explain to him the way of the Lord more precisely so Apollos after this start to preach and we can see how the Holy Spirit enlightened his mind and he was very very effective and influential and was able to convince many Jews and bring them back to the knowledge of, of the truth that is the power of the Holy Spirit that's the power of the Holy Spirit John the Baptist in his few years of ministry three years of ministry and his words were very very strong that's why we read all Judea went out to him baptizing and many people asked him what should we do the soldiers asked him tax collector asked him what should we do in order actually to repent and he was able to answer them who actually guided John the Baptist to answer this question it is the work of the Holy Spirit so again before preparing your, your lesson before speaking and, and preaching your lesson ask the Holy Spirit to speak on your mouth so God actually will reveal the truth and the word of, of salvation to your class through your mouth by the work of the Holy Spirit another work of the Holy Spirit in us 
as the servant is prayer. Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. As St. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we don't know what we ought to pray for. We don't know how to pray. You know, how to address God and how to speak before God. Actually, if you are going to meet a VIP prime minister or a president, some people actually will uh, help you and train you in the protocol and how to address them and how to present your case in front of them. There is training here. Actually, if you go just to a court to give a witness or to do a defense, you will be taught how to present your case in the court before the judge. What about standing before the Lord of Lords and the God of Gods? So St. Paul said, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Uh, David, knowing uh, his limitation in, in prayer, he said in, uh, in Psalm 130, if I have not humbled myself by raised my soul as a wounded child with his mother. So he said, when I speak to you as if a wounded child uh, with his mother, yani, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. So just accept me as a wounded child uh, speaking to his mother. Uh, so the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. It teaches us through the book of Psalms. That's why it's very important when we pray, we pray by the Psalms. Because Psalms are written by the Holy Spirit. So this can teach me how to address God and how to speak before God. The Holy Spirit will help me how to pray for others, for my class, for my uh, students. It's very, very important actually to remember them in your prayer, one by one, name by name, not just collectively but every single person. Also, the Holy Spirit will guide us how to um, guide us by interceding for us in prayer. As we read in Romans 8:26, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us the spirit the holy spirit makes intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered so if i say something wrong the holy spirit will correct it to me before the father now he god the father who searches the hearts know what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god so the Holy Spirit teaches me how to pray, guide me, and intercede for me in prayer. And beside this, the Holy Spirit convicts me to pray. If I am lazy, if I am not motivated to pray, just call for the Holy Spirit and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me uh, alertness that I know how to stand before you in the time of prayer and offer to you the appropriate zoxology 
and win the forgiveness of my many sins, as we say in midnight prayer. Ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to help you, to give you alertness, to give you uh, power in order to stand before God in prayer. Number four, so we said the Holy Spirit, number one, give us power and strength. Number two, give us the word. Uh, number three, intercede in prayer and teach us how to pray. Number four, actually, the Holy Spirit comforts us. There is no service without hardships. There is no service without tribulation. If you are expecting service with no tribulation, you have the wrong expectation. In Sirach chapter 2 says, Son, when you apply yourself to the service of God, stand in justice and in fear and prepare your soul for temptation. Prepare your soul for temptation. So there are hardships and there are temptation comes with the service. Who will comfort us during the time of tribulation and hardships? St. Paul answered this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Maybe someone, he says, but St. Paul speaks here about the Father. Yes, true, he speaks about the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you, anything comes from the Father to us, it comes in the Son by the Holy Spirit. So there is no separation between the Holy Trinity. This comfort, this comfort we receive it from the Father, because He is the Father of all comfort and of all consolation. So He is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So we receive this comfort. How? In Jesus. What does it mean in Jesus? If I am not one with Jesus, I cannot receive it. But if I am one in Jesus, abiding in Him and He in me, then I am children, a son of God the Father. So I receive this comfort in Jesus, as long as I am one with Jesus. And how I receive it? By the Holy Spirit. And the opposite is true. When we address God, we address God the Father in Jesus. We have no access to God the Father. I cannot stand before God the Father away from the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to be in Jesus. By Him we have access to God the Father, as St. Paul said in Hebrews. And by the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we pray to the Father in His Son by the Spirit. So that is the Trinitarian theology. So when I speak about the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm not speaking about the Holy Spirit in separation from the Father and the Son. Definitely not. Because the work of the Holy Spirit is done to me. Any gift comes from the Father in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And any prayer, anything, any service I offer to God, I offer to God the Father in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. 
So yes, he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Yes, speak about the Father. But this comfort comes to me in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, who comforts us in all our tribulation. And I want you to think about the abundance of comfort. Not just I am comforted, no, but also that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. In our service, in our ministry, you go and visit people who are distressed, stressed out by exams, sick, uh, suffering from loss of loved one, uh, going through a difficult time in, in uh, life. Uh, maybe they have uh, family problems and family conflicts. So as a servant, I have to support and give comfort. So how to be able to support and comfort them if you are not comforted? But that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as servants. Comfort us in all tribulations that we are able to comfort those who are in any, in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by, by God. So this comfort comes from the Holy Spirit. Also the Holy Spirit encourages us. Encourage us. St. Paul a whole chapter in his letter to Corinthians is book about we will not be defeated. We will not be defeated. We will not fall in despair. In spite of all the challenges, uh, he repeated at least four times in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. He repeated in verse 1, will not lose heart. Also, he repeated again in verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. So, how? If you can imagine what St. Paul said, yes, we are hard depressed on every side, hard depressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken struck down, but not destroyed. How, how can he endure all of this? How he was able to be still be positive while he is hard depressed from every side and think, but I'm not crushed. How a person who's perplexed, confused, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. This is actually the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He encouraged me we will not lose heart in the middle of all the tribulation. Also, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love, because God is love. So the Holy Spirit fills my heart with love, even toward my enemy, even toward those who attack me, even toward those who challenge me and disobey me in service we will meet people who take stand against us, who will challenge us, who will actually intentionally disobey and challenge the authority. A regular human being will be frustrated. A regular human being will not like this. But how a servant keeps his heart open and still loves these people in spite of all these challenges. St. Paul 
said to the church in Corinth, the more I love you, the less you love me. And how, how he endured this. It is again the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who fills my heart with love. Because the love of us, of God, was poured in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So, if we're going to call them enemies, this love of enemy, I am able to fulfill it. That's by the work of the Holy Spirit in me. And you know, I'm sure you know the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. In the middle of all this, I will not lose my peace. In the middle of all this, I'm not going to lose my, my joy. I'll be happy. They were beaten, but they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Paul and Silas were in prison, but they were praising the Lord because there was peace and, and joy in his heart. Peter was in prison, and the following day, he was about to be executed, and he was sleeping deeply in the, in the prison. To the extent when the angel delivered him, he, he thought he was in a dream. He did not realize it was real until he was in the street completely outside the, the prison. Can, can you imagine how deep in his sleep he was and second day he would be executed? That is the work of the Holy Spirit who gives us joy and peace. So we mentioned three things about the work of the Holy Spirit in, in the servant gives him power, gives him word, gives him and guides him in his prayer, and also gives him comfort. So what about the, ser the, the person being served? What about our class, our student, the people whom we are serving? What the work is the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in them? Because the Holy Spirit does not work in us only, but work also in those whom we are serving. St. John said, no one is able to say that Jesus is God except by the Holy Spirit. So, this means the Holy Spirit work even in the non-believers and guides them to believe. Yes, he work in the non-believer from outside. We, the believers, he dwells in us. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So, when the apostles, or when you speak to a person who is not Christian, not believer, the Holy Spirit not only works with you, but works in him. He will open the heart of the person in order to receive the word and in order to believe that Jesus is God. And we saw how the, in the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit worked in the heart of Lydia. And Lydia, God opened her heart to heed the words spoken by Paul. And how the Holy Spirit worked in the heart of the prison in Philippi. So, the, work is, the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the people, open their hearts to heed the word. Also, one of the words that was repeated several times in the book of Acts, when they heard the word, they were pierced in, in, in their heart. Not only the Holy Spirit works, but the Holy Spirit pierces 
peers, you know, like those who who ride horses, they pierce the sides of the of the of the horse with goads so he can jump and he can run away. So the Holy Spirit do the same technique. He pierces the heart of the of the listener in order actually to jump into the faith and to run to Christ and to run to the church. Yes, sometimes people kick against these goads, against the piercing of the Holy Spirit. But as the Lord said to Paul, it's difficult for you to kick against goods until when God will be piercing your, your heart and you are kicking against the good. At the end, you will be wounded. If, if you keep kicking against the goods, you will be wounded. Opening the heart means softening the heart. Removing the heart of stone and make the heart of flesh. Because you cannot pierce a heart of stone. If you have piece of stone and you shoot a sword, the sword actually will be broken. But if you have piece of flesh and you shoot a sword, the sword will pierce this flesh. So when I said the Holy Spirit opens the heart of the listener, means soften their heart. So number one, the hearts are softened. Number two, will pierce this heart. So the people will, after being pierced by the Holy Spirit, they can uh, return uh, to God and accept Him. Also, the Holy Spirit uh, convicts people to repent, convict the listener to repent. Like on the day of Pentecost, after Peter finished his sermon, they came and asked Peter, what should we do? Now I heard the sermon. I want to turn it into action. What should I do? Sometimes after you give a lesson in Sunday school, some student come to you. What should I do? What God wants from me? When God appeared to St. Paul on the road to Damascus, St. Paul asked the same question. Lord, what should I do? But the Holy Spirit convict people to repent and to come and to to ask, what should we do? Same with preaching of John the Baptist. The people asked him, as I told you, soldiers came to him, tax collectors, regular people. What should we do? What we should we do is the response to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to repent. I want to return back to God. What's the next step for me? Because as the Lord said, the Holy Spirit will convict the world on sin, on righteousness, and on judgment. After this, the Holy Spirit sanctify us. The word sanctification in the divine liturgy, when Abuna says holy, the holy is for the holy, he says sanctification is by the Holy Spirit. The word sanctification means makes us holy. And how the Holy Spirit makes the person holy? By uniting him with the Lord Jesus Christ. In this union, we become holy. In, uh, and, and this mainly achieved through the sacraments of the church. 
In repentance and confession, we are washed from our sins. In baptism, we put on Christ. In chrismation, we are confirmed in Christ. And in communion, we abide in him and he abides in us. So, not only putting on Christ, but confirmed in him, then I become a, 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 a temple, a holy place, abide in me and I in him. And, and th by the way, the final goal or the ultimate goal of the incarnation is not only our salvation, but our union with God, to be one with the Son. So we'll be children of God the Father by our marriage to his Son, Jesus Christ, because he is a bridegroom, and this is by the work of the Holy Spirit. Where? In the sacrament of the Church. We are children of God the Father by uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our marriage with the Lord Jesus Christ through the sacrament of the Church. That's why the Holy Spirit assures us that we are children of God the Father. So, our students, when they hear us, they have this surety inside their hearts that they are children of God the Father. And if our children, then we are heirs. And I, I feel I am loved by God the Father. There is no enmity between me and between God the Father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit also makes me know and understand and feel my relationship with God the Father. I am a son, I am a daughter now to God the Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit confirmed to my spirit that I am in the family of God. I am a son and a daughter to God the Father in Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified in him. So the Holy Spirit how works in the heart of the students. Number one, soften their heart. Remove the heart of stone, makes our heart of flesh. After softening the heart, pierce them. Pierce the heart to accept the word and convict them. Number three, he will make them come and ask, what should we do? What is the next step? You can see it actually in many examples like what happened with John the Baptist, what happened with, with Peter, uh, what happened with Paul when the Lord appeared to him. And some people like Zacchaeus, the, the Holy Spirit spoke directly in their heart what they should do. And the, the, Zacchaeus answered, I will do, that's what I'm going to do. I will distribute half of my goods to the poor and the needy. And if I was unfair to anybody, I will restore four folds. So this reaction, this response, 
the immediate response is the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the listener. And number four, the Holy Spirit sanctify the person and make him one with Christ. This sanctification and this union with Christ is a marriage. We are the bride of Christ. As St. Paul said, I betrothed you to offer a chaste virgin to Christ. Then with this union with Christ, now the Holy Spirit will be like our guarantee, our witness that we are children of God the Father. He will bear witness with my spirit that we are children of God the Father. And now I am in the family of God. I will, I will have this assurance that I will inherit the kingdom of God. As St. Paul said, if we are children, then we are heirs. Maybe the question that will come right now, okay, now I understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Why we don't see these things in our life, either in me as a servant or in uh, the children whom I am serving? So the question here, are we relying on the Holy Spirit? Are we engaging the Holy Spirit in our ministry or more accurately, are we working with the Holy Spirit or we are serving independently from the Holy Spirit? If we are serving independently from the Holy Spirit, then all the points that I said, you will not find them. But if we are working with the Holy Spirit, then workers with God, as St. Paul said, then we will see these points in, in our service, in our ministry. Don't rely on your ability. Don't rely on your wisdom. Don't rely on your knowledge. But rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the work of God. That is the fellowship that you hear it many times. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that actually should be in every single thing in your ministry. When you do visitation, when you speak, when you are one-to-one -one uh, talking with, with one of your class, uh, when you are preparing your lesson, in your inner room praying for your students. So in everything, in every aspect, uh, when you are doing any activity with your children, when you are thinking and planning for some activities to make them use their time wisely, like during summer vacation, in anything, Ask the Holy Spirit to be partaker, or more accurately, you yourself should be partaker under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in everything you do. In this way, actually, our service will be fruitful, even if we don't see the fruit right now. But definitely, the fruit will come. As the Lord said to the apostles, uh, others have labored, and you are reaping the, the fruit of their labor. So definitely your service will be fruitful. If not right now, but it will be fruitful one day because the word of God never ever returns empty. Glory be to God forever. forever. Amen.